is good, everybody, and welcome to episode 128 of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth. What is good, everybody, and welcome to episode 128 of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth. I thought I would take two times to do that, Philly, because this was take two on the LAFC San Jose match that we were supposed to have played this last weekend on Sunday. So I figure, you know what? Two takes on the match means two takes on the intro. I am sitting here in beautiful Lawndale, California, sitting at the table at Casa de la Scarf, sitting across the internet from my good man, Christian Philly Philemon. He is the world famous beast from the East Coast, <laughs> Philly. Scarf, it's funny, as you were doing that intro, I'm pretty tired this evening, and I thought, oh, my God, I, I must be tripping. He's he's repeating himself twice. Is, is my Internet lagging, much like my YouTube TV was lagging? Like, what is going on? And you said, what is good? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, the first time I hear it, the second time I hear it, the third time I'm thinking, he probably shouldn't start this episode with, what went wrong, defenders? Because a whole lot went wrong, Scarf. We're heading into this thirsty Thursday and a few days away from decision day. And I don't mean the election because who knows? Maybe the election will be decided by the time decision day comes. We've got a lot to talk about today, Scarf. An awful, awful lot. Look, as we're going to talk about the match, which as you and I have both talked about already, was quite disappointing. We are also going to talk about some silver linings at the end of this match, Philly. Oh, yeah. We are both normally pretty glass half full people out there, and we certainly have a lot to have our glasses at least half full about after this match. No, it was not a great result. Does it really change what likely would have happened come playoff time for LAFC? No, but you know what? One player, Philly, for LAFC had a couple of big changes happen in his life. We've got an, a potentially married man coming down the pipe soon in Mark Anthony K. Congratulations on the engagement for Mark Anthony K. As you like to call him, Philly, and it's one of my favorite nicknames that you've given <laughs> anybody on this podcast, the Canadian Glory Machine. <laughs> Mark Anthony K engaged look he hasn't let covid times he hasn't let an injury he hasn't let maybe a little bit less playing time for canada's national team the fight in maple leafs there bother him at all he went and dropped down on one knee and in fact he, he was talking about it with max and warren barton and rogo before the match on youtube tv a lot went into that planning congratulations to mark anthony k on his engagement Oh, without a doubt. And he did it all at the Ace Hotel. Apparently, they worked with him on this amazing plan. They hooked the both of them up with some pretty cool sweaters. That might be a fun, fun date night for, for you and Nina or me and Panda. Perhaps we should all have a fun evening in downtown L.A., of course, when the world opens up again, and kick back and chill at the Ace Hotel. They marketed it quite nicely with that engagement. It all looked pretty fabulous. Yeah, that's smart marketing, Philly. It helps to be a professional athlete. You get places that want to help you market your engagement or any other thing that you do. I don't think we have to worry about that anytime soon. But you know what? I do want to give a quick birthday shout out to Eduardo Morales Felix. He mentioned us on Instagram, and he's been one of our followers for quite some time. So I wanted to give a very happy yeah. 
to Eduardo. And one other thing I want to mention, Philly, in our little beginning banter here, you mentioned the election. I don't know if any of you uh, know that in the last couple of days, there's been a bit of a hotly contested election going on in the United States. I actually had the pleasure of voting at Bank of California Stadium, and that was pretty cool. It is obviously not. I'm down here in Lawndale, which is kind of in the South Bay. It borders Hawthorne and Inglewood and Manhattan Beach and a couple of other cities. I am nowhere near Bank of California Stadium when it comes for it being my official voting precinct, but I am super glad that I went to the bank to cast my vote. First of all, an incredibly easy process, no lines. Second, I got to see a bunch of our favorite people at LAFC working the polls, the polls, Philly, not poll, working the polls. <laughs> and, and Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, no problem. And third and most importantly, as I walked in, they got to let you kind of hang out and stare at the pitch for a little bit. And it was just nice to be out there to see Bank of California Stadium, to see the pitch in broad daylight. I mean, it was beautiful out there. A lot nicer, Philly, than I know you're going to talk about that pitch in San Jose as well. <laughs> that was that pitch was pretty gross out there. But, you know, it was really cool to be able to cast your vote at Bank of California Stadium. And yes, I did get the cool LAFC I voted sticker as well, which I'm not going to lie, was probably my biggest reason. This is how I know I have a problem. It was probably my biggest reason for voting at Bank of California Stadium was I saw that cool sticker. And by the way, it was Blake who put that out there from LAFC Central. Blake is like 15 years old. He can't even sniff a voting booth yet. But somehow he got a voting sticker and put it out there. And I said, you know what? That's kind of cool. I, I'm a I'm a sucker for cool stuff like that. So I voted over at Bank of California Stadium. Philly, where did you cast your vote? I'm just curious. A uh, hop, skip, and a jump from Philly Monster Studios. There, the Robert Gross Park right down Empire uh, had had a thing set up. So Panda and I, after we got done with a pretty long bike ride, we changed our stinky cycling clothes and and put on some casual clothes, and we did something that you know we'd probably had done living back in New York. Walk to a place where we can drop off our ballot, and it was beyond quick it took me longer to tie my shoes than to than to get there and, and drop off the vote so it was very very conveniently set up i know a lot of people were talking about having long lines and long waits but fortunately we we didn't and clearly you didn't either and it, very very cool to have bank of california set up staples center had something set up i mean very very cool way of getting people in to cast their votes and i mean you said it that vote with the LAFC logo on it. Really, really cool. And that'll probably be a hot collector's item down the road. I'm sure it's already on sale on eBay for $97.50 plus $27 for shipping and handling. But down the road, it'll be a very cool memento. Yeah, you know the other thing that I thought was very LA, there was also a little wall with a backdrop set up so you could take a selfie with your sticker after you voted with the LAFC backdrop which I did, of course. So how very LA of me. Speaking of things- How very millennial of you, Scoff. Are you stopping- Did you carry your selfie stick as well? Don't own a selfie- Influencer in the wild. Gross. Anyway, <laughs> something else Philly to last quite a while in LAFC history is our segment this day in LAFC history, the smooth segues that happen here at Defenders of the Bank. We are, of course- Time and time again. We, we try. We are recording this Wednesday, November 4th. Oh, good God. It's about 1130 at night here. Philly, how did we let this get so late? 
<laughs> Your fault. I totally my fault. That's absolutely right. Philly is uh, hashtag blame scarf on this one. On the fourth of last year was a huge day in LAFC history, Philly, as Fernando Valenzuela appeared to award Carlos Vela with the 2019 MLS Landon Donovan MVP award. Carlos Vela, of course, breaking every record out there, 34 goals on the season, 15 assists, 49 total points, those being MLS records on his way to winning the Landon Donovan MVP. Two years prior to that, on November 4, 2017, the LAFC Youth Leadership Program was announced. You can follow them at LAFCYLP. That, of course, stands for Youth leadership program. They partnered with the Brisi Foundation, Delta, and Aeromexico to announce the youth leadership program. Again, please give them a follow at LAFCYLP. On the 6th, we jump ahead a couple of days. In 2018, Walker Zimmerman was called into the U.S. men's national team for international friendlies against England and my team, Italy. Walker Zimmerman getting to play for the U.S. men's national team against England and Italy on the 7th. Oh, boy. Here we go. On the 7th in 1996, Philly, a birthday that LAFC fans probably don't celebrate as much as many of the other birthdays that we have. I'm going to say it anyway. Here comes the hate. Mm. Happy birthday to Andre Horta. That's right. Still a more valuable player than Andy Nahar. Oh, absolutely. You know, unfortunately, that's correct. Although Andy Nahar will make another appearance on our podcast today as we talk about not just the injuries, but a couple of other things as well. And also on the 7th in 2018, the Vancouver Whitecaps hire former LAFC assistant coach Mark Dos Santos to be their head coach. And Philly, that is your This Day in LAFC history. Philly, we do have a lot of news coming down the wire. Our last match was seven days ago, but with everything that's been going on, man, it seems like 15 or 16 news cycles ago. What do you have on the LAFC Newswire so far? I mean, the big, big news is CONCACAF is back. We get to finally resume the Champions League that was started in the very beginning of the season. And by looking at the schedule, CONCACAF sure did did a great job squeezing everything in into eight days. We're talking about December 15th through the 22nd. We're going to go through the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals just in time for Christmas. So what that means for us defenders is at bare minimum, we are going to have three matches left to play. We're going to have the decision day match on November the 8th. We're going to have the match against Cruz Azul. It'll probably be on the 16th. And, of course, we have a playoff match, uh, in, not necessarily in that order. But, yeah, we're going to be playing Cruz Azul. A lot of these other clubs had gone in and played the first leg. But since COVID came through, the CONCACAF Champions League decided that they were going to basically draw that up as a tie. And LAFC and Cruz Azul are going to battle it out as if that's a score. And if they happen to go into into a draw in the later part of the get match there. I mean, they're going to end it the same way with penalty kicks, so on and so forth. Now that's going to be the story there. Uh, the semifinal is going to be played three days later and that's the 19th. We, if we beat Cruz Azul and this is a number, I think they're number fourth currently in the apertura. They are going to uh, face the winner of Cruz Azul and LAFC are going to face the winner of either club America 
or Atlanta United. And by the way, Atlanta United's been playing the season. More than likely, it's going to be Club America. So that's that's going to be interesting. We take on two powerhouses from Mexico City. Now, the question is, well, are we going to get to go to this match? Are we going to get to see it at the bank? And the answer is no. <laughs> no. Did you really think they would let that one slide into Bank of California State? No. None of these matches are going to have any fans in attendance. We, we, th- that we know that they're probably going to be playing in a centralized location in the U.S., and I heard a rumor that it could be Texas. The next question is going to be, well, what about my refund? Because we, we've gotten that question plenty of times. Defenders, if we had the answer, I mean, we'd tell you, all right? We're in the same boat as you guys are. We paid for our tickets. We don't have an idea. So the club will no doubt give us that information at some point. That news will be revealed. I, I couldn't tell you when, but those are questions definitely better left, sir, to your ticket reps. Will we see a refund for it? I mean, we'd have to at this point. We're not going to get to see that match at home. So be on the lookout for that. Check out those emails. That's the story as far as CONCACAF Champions League is concerned. I'm pretty excited, but if we continue to play the way that we play today, it's going to be a quick exit as far as the playoffs are concerned, and we're probably not going to stand a chance against the number four team in Liga Emeki Scarf. Yeah, not just Cruz Azul, but you mentioned it. If we get past Cruz Azul and play Club America, first of all, what a dream matchup for a lot of LAFC fans to be able to take on Cruz Azul and then to possibly be able to take on Club America. We know that we have tons and tons of Liga Emekis fans that show up to Bank of California Stadium every LAFC match dressed in black and gold. Plenty of fans of the blue of Cruz Azul and of Club America it would have been really cool to be able to host a match. We get the home and home series with those two squads at Bank of California Stadium. That, unfortunately, not going to happen, like you mentioned. The other thing that we want to mention is the elephant in the room, the COVID-19 positive tests that have gone through LAFC for the first time this season. Again, probably couldn't have come at a worse time. It's been reported that LAFC had at least, at least, I say, three members of the club testing positive for coronavirus. And as we will cover in tonight's injury report, it could literally be any number of the players on that injury report or even players not, that's right, not on the Kaiser Permanente injury report. It obviously caused this match to be moved to the middle of the week and could definitely mean that some or all of these very same players could miss the Portland match on decision day next Sunday at 3.30. And that's about it for our news and notes. Let's get right into our battle against San Jose and Philly. Something that I want to talk about real quick before we go into anything else with San Jose is this. How many times, if at all, do we think that LAFC got to take the practice field? Yeah, great point. Match. I mean, if we had things... Happen- address that later. As <laughs> Good job. Nice. If we had things that happened as early as Tuesday, then it's very possible that if we got Monday off after the Sunday match, or at least a lot of players might have gotten Monday off after the Sunday match, did we even have a practice in before we flew? By the way, when we found out 18 hours before the match was supposed to happen that we had <laughs> in San Jose... Was there even much practice going on this week? Something to think about as we consider this result against San Jose. And by the way, a San Jose team, Philly, that came ready to play. And we'll talk about that more 
in our match recap. But let's talk about the previous history this season between these two teams. LAFC and San Jose meet for the third time this season and for the first since late September. On September 2nd, Philly, LAFC took San Jose out back behind the woodshed en route to a 5-1 beating. It was a brace for Diego Rossi, Bradley Wright Phillips, Danny Masovsky, and Sifu all scoring for LAFC. And just as notable, Philly, Andy Nahar played nine minutes without getting injured. I thought I should include that in the game, <laughs> that waste of space that we signed of Andy Nahar. But, of course, Philly, in the second match, it was not to be as San Jose took it right back to LAFC, winning 2-1. to one. And it was just an awful, awful match. LAFC up one nothing. Wait, where are we going to hear that again later on today? Before giving two late goals up to fall two to one, uh, a goal by Jackson Yule giving San Jose their first ever win over LAFC. This, of course, would be the third time that we would see them on the season in Philly. San Jose looking pretty good coming into this. They have won five of their previous eight to rip themselves out of the cellar to make some more room there for the Galaxy and Real Salt Lake and to move their way up into potential, and after this match, unfortunately, actual, playoff spot contention and a match in the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs. Philly, what about LAFC coming into this match? LAFC coming into this match, it seemed like it was forever and a day ago that we we last reported, but our, our last match, we won. We took out Houston. As a result of that win, we clinched the playoffs. We once again clinched something pretty crucial against Houston at Bank of California Stadium. It was uh, it was a great match to be at. Still, you know, you still sweat it out there. But LAFC, for the most part throughout the course of the season, has been consistently inconsistent. Now, we sure thought that they would come into this matchup with a chip on their shoulder. Why? Because we lost at home, like you said, to the Smurfs, 2-1 to one at the death. Their first regular season win over us. Chip on our shoulders? I would say that's a big fat yes. We really thought that they would come through, and your boy Vaco wasn't even in the game. We thought Vaco was going to play Vaco, a player that Scarf loves. He collects his jerseys. They all hang on his wall. Figured since he wasn't going to play today, we'd, we'd make some mincemeat out of him. But you said it. San Jose, we, we really thought that they were going to be taken out to the pasture and shot by now. We thought Almeida would have just had no job. He would have had to have gone back home and, and take off that pretty purple sweater that he seems to always wear against us. But they've been on fire. And as a result of that, they came into today's matchup with their hair on fire. Why? Because a win against us ensured a playoff berth for them. But even a draw against us with a win from Seattle against Carson would have helped. They're, they're friends up in Seattle. A San Jose win, that takes care of Carson, and that mathematically knocks out the Vancouver white flags. Why? Because we're not going on points, defenders. We're going on points per game. That's what you need to move on to the next round. Colorado sure uh, sure got lucky with that. But you can't ever count out Matias Almeida's team. And you can't ever count out Chris the Wolverine Wondolowski. They were sitting in eighth place with 27 points in 21 matches. Now, Scarf, I know you're a math teacher. If we do the mathematics on that to determine the points per game, we would take the number 27, as in the points they've accumulated. We would take the number 21, 
in the matches they played in. 27 divided by 21 equals 1.29. That's rounded up. And that's what they had. All right. Points per game, not points. Very, very silly. But, you know, a lot of people, I just want to address this. A lot of people are talking about how silly this is. This isn't the first time this league has used the system scarf. Back in 2001, the system was also used as a result of the canceled matches after the tragedy that happened in New York City with 9-11. This same system was used back then. It's not foreign, nor was it a surprise. The league announced in August that they would more than likely utilize the system as a result of several of the matches that were missed. And here we are. No surprises there. Okay, wait a minute. Let's back up for a second here. I have as many Vaco jerseys in my closet as you have Andy Nahar jerseys in your closet, sir. <laughs> I, I don't even think they they I don't even think Rachel at LAFCHQ would allow Andy Nahar jerseys to get printed, Scarf. <laughs> saying is that was hurtful and i'm upset at you for the moment i'm gonna go uh, i just poke fun because you always say how much you hate vaco so to me it's it's my way of poking and having a little bit of fun this i can't stand vaco i am going to go through the injury report for san jose if you don't mind that would be danny Husson who is out. He is a forward for san jose that sometimes gets minutes and sometimes doesn't that's <laughs> Injury report for San Jose, and I'm going to slowly back away into the weeds as Philly talks a whole lot more about the injury report for LAFC and those dubious three words, not medically cleared. Philly, take it away. Upon seeing this on LAFC.com, it was a jaw dropper. The speculation as to who may have COVID, I would say a couple of those players are on this list. Pablo Cisniego was not in the match. Now, we know he had he suffered some type of a hip injury. Could he be the one with COVID? I don't know, but I think he's hurt. Mohamed El Manir, tough to lose a defender of his caliber. He's not in the lineup. Andy Papel Nahar, not in the lineup. Does that surprise anyone? No, because the nickname we gave him is Papel. He's made from paper. I feel I don't feel bad. No more remorse with Andy Papel Nahar. Mark Anthony K. We know he's coming back from an injury. We know clearly after the social media posts and after his engagement yesterday that he doesn't have the COVID. Danny the Moose, I would say, was the most surprising entry on this injury list. Did not expect to see his name there. Mahala, he's been MIA for a little while. That could be a possibility. And then Adrian Perez, another person who we haven't seen in quite some time. That is a long, long list of people on this not medically cleared list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Unlucky number seven. That's how many players we had out of the match. Does that handicap us? Does that handicap us? Oh, hey, how do, you, how do you like that scarf? We created a new term here. Handicapping from now on on Defenders of the Bank will be known as handicapping. But does that put us in a disadvantage? I, I don't know. I mean, we still had a really, really good lineup starting, but the key omission. The key omission that came late and so late that not even Warren Barton recognized it during the YouTube telecast, Bradley Wright Phillips, not on this list. And as Alicia Rodriguez and Angels on Parade reported, he, there was a situation and uh, he, he had to take care of it. I don't know what that situation is. What I do know is that his father, Ian Wright, did turn 57 yesterday. I don't know. It's too early, too soon to speculate on things, but we're without eight players. For today's matchup. Very, very much handicapped. Yeah, so the exact quote from Kevin Baxter, BWP is not with the team due to a personal situation that has come up and he is dealing with. Of course we can speculate. 
about all the different players who might have COVID-19. Yes, it was a shock that Danny Musovsky was not medically cleared, Adrian Perez not medically cleared, Mahala Opoku not medically cleared, Mohamed El Munir not medically cleared. Those were the three that we were, four, excuse me, that we were a little surprised about. Who knows about Pablo? Look, we're not here to speculate on who had COVID and who didn't. But that being said, that was a long injury list. Something else that I was watching out for, by the way, Philly, that did not come to fruition, both Jordan Harvey and Jose Cifuentes were on MLS's naughty list, and if either of them picked up a in today's match, they would have been suspended for the Portland match in just four days. Luckily, that didn't happen. Let me go through the starting lineup for San Jose as we move forward here. We'll go over the lineups, and it was certainly a little bit of a surprise in the LAFC lineup, but this lineup for San Jose, the exact same lineup that beat Real Salt Lake just a few days ago. It was goalkeeper JT Marchinkowski who has played very, very well as of late, I believe coming into this match, his goals against was 0.89, less than one per match, really playing well since he took over the reins for San Jose. On defense, it was Marcos Lopez, the Peruvian, who looked pretty good today. On the back line, Florian Youngworth, one of Philly's Demineshaft counterparts. It was oh, he pissed me off so much at the last game, Scarf. <laughs> <laughs> it was Osvaldo Alanis and Nick Lima rounding out the defense. It was Judson who did not get a yellow card in this match today, apparently. That was news to all of us watching the match. That was interesting. Jackson Ewell, who had the game-winning goal last match versus LAFC. and Mike, The American Pirlo is what they're calling him, Scarf. Are they really calling Jackson Ewell the American Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I read an article about it. The American Pirlo. And during the telecast, they joked about it. Uh, Max Bredos and Warren Barton, that is. Is that article written by Mr. or Mrs. Ewell? Like, come on now, we're talking about one of the greatest midfielders in the history of the sport, a man who carried his team to a World Cup performance, a game winner for Italy. I mean, a World Cup winner for Italy. Are you kidding me? This is Andrea Pirlo that we're comparing to Jackson Yule, who has like, I don't know, one, maybe two U.S. men's national team caps who couldn't even stay on the field today. Don't you bring that. No Pirlo, no party here, my friend. Don't start with me. Also mm. on the field, Carlos Fierro, and then rounding out the front line, the immortal one, Chris Wondolowski. And Wolverine. And the guy who I talked about in one more sleep was the one player that I had to watch out for in this match, Christian Espinoza, who definitely made his presence felt. I would say he was announcing his presence with authority, if you will. In the 18, just a couple of guys that I want to mention, another ageless wonder on San Jose's bench, Shea Salinas, who would again make the score line for San Jose. Last match, of course, he made his impact felt, and in this match as well. And the 17-year-old, the newly turned 17-year-old, Cade Cowell on the bench, for San Jose, Philly, lots of players out like you just mentioned, but who would be in for LAFC? With all these players out, with a playoff spot clinched, with a conspiracy theory, and that conspiracy theory being, well, if LAFC loses, that would definitely ensure that our noisy neighbors down the 110 would be eliminated. Uh, you'd think that maybe Bob would take his foot off the pedal. Could we really be that petty scarf by putting in a, a slightly weaker lineup? Well, it's kind of hard to, considering the fact that eight, 
eight people are there. But, you know, we still would want a top four spot in the playoffs because that would ensure matches at the bank. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, no fans. That really means that we're not the home field advantage doesn't matter anyway, right? Well, if you want to base it on the theory of the 12th man, you'd be right. However, you'd be wrong in the grand scheme of things. Why? Because at home, LAFC are a much better team than on the road. At home, they have a 7-2-1 record. On the road, they've won one game, one freaking game, one, four, and three, and that's the difference. So there is no conspiracy theory. There is no way Bob wouldn't want to field a strong lineup. And I think he put in the best lineup that he possibly could. And in a long-winded roundabout way, that lineup is Kenneth Vermeer, Chiki Palacios, Eddie Segura, <laughs> Murillo, who is, he had a bunch of really good passes. We welcome back Tristan Blackman from that hamstring injury. We had Pancho Janela. I thought he went missing for a good portion of the match. Edward Atuesta wearing the captain's band. Jose C. Fuentes. And here's the change right here. We had Raito, Rossi in the middle, and Latif Blessing. That news shouldn't have come as much of a shock because no Bradley Wright Phillips and... Obviously, no Danny the Moose. People are asking, well, why doesn't Vela start? Vela should not start. Vela needs to work his way back into the lineup and get his legs from uh, get his legs under him. That is the starters. The bench, Philip Ejimadu, Jordan Harvey, Dejan Yakovic, Carlos Vela, Eric Duenas, Bryce Dew, Christian Torres, Tony Leone. That's our lineup scarf. All three Academy kids eligible for selection. Once again, and I'm starting a campaign, by the way, for our last match of the season against Portland. It looks like things may be wrapped up in terms of spots. It'll be very hard for us to get a home playoff match. I would just love to see, even if it's for the last five or ten minutes, I want to see Tony Leone get some minutes out there. We've seen Eric Duenas. We've seen Christian Torres. But I would love to see Tony Leone get some minutes out there. Let's talk about the first half highlights in Philly. Nine minutes in, the first real chance for LAFC is an awful turnover by JT Marchinkowski, San Jose's keeper. It goes right to Latif Blessing, who finds Diego Rossi. He took one small dribble, fires just wide to the left of the post. Philly, it could have been one nothing after just nine minutes. I just want to highlight one quick thing before you move on to the next second scarf. I will say it was quite the rebound because a minute prior to Latif stealing that ball, Latif took a shot to his blessings. To to his blessings. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yes. it didn't look good. It was a flying knee to the blessings, as you called it. And he was down for a little bit. But why is it that even when you can clearly see that Latif gets injured or gets taken out, why does it seem like he's always looking over at the other player who might also be down to try and milk it for just that extra five seconds longer than the other player? I mean, he could have been legitimately hurt. I get it. It was a nice groin shot there. But why does it seem like he's always trying to play it for that extra little bit? I don't know. Hollywood, baby, he's auditioning. Oh, my goodness. Philly, in the 12th minute, it would be a theme for LAFC as San Jose earns the first corner of the match. They would earn six corners in that first half before LAFC knew what was going on. We'll talk about that in a little bit. In the 14th minute, another corner won by San Jose after a good effort by Tristan Blackman on D. And in the 16th minute, Philly, what I will say is Tristan fell down. Tristan got up. 
And Tristan got all the way back to make the defensive play as San Jose banged the ball off of him to, wait for it, earn another corner. My goodness, three corners in just about four minutes of play, Philly. And I know you're going to go over to the first half stats when we get there, but it just seemed like for the first 20, 30 minutes of the match, Philly, it was corner after corner after corner for San Jose. There were a couple of bright spots that did occur before the first goal. In the 15th minute, all right, nothing made, it wasn't a major play, but Murillo had a hell of a pass that made its way to Latif Blessing. It was a great first touch. The ball ended up going to Poncho. The ball got pickpocketed and recovered, but nothing happened. But I wanted to highlight his passing from the backfield because it's going to become quite applicable in the 23rd minute. Why? So Murillo was showing some really, really good uh, outputs as far as like the, the offense was concerned. And it really started with that pass from the 15th minute, uh, 17 minutes. Sifu, he threads the needle trying to connect with Raito, but that ball went right to Marcinkowski, you know, for an Academy player scarf, the kids, the kids pretty good. I mean, I know a lot of the free kicks that Edward Atuesta had throughout the course of the match went directly to him, but the, the kid looked pretty solid. And you said it 20 minutes in the, they have three corners, 64, 65% possession, and they really dominated this first half of the first half, but that bled into the rest of the match. Yeah, Philly. The set piece defense for a little while on those corners looked like they might have patched things up a little better. It seemed like the team was communicating, they were getting the ball out of the box. Uh, fortunately, they couldn't keep that consistently, though, Scarf. And with all the possession that the Quakes had, you would hope that the back line would make themselves felt. They definitely took on the full brunt of the first half. Yeah, Philly, a little bit of a frustration moment there for me with Brian Rodriguez there in the 17th minute. He really yep. had shots at it. Nothing on either try. He got his pocket picked by Judson 1v1 that I really felt like he's got to make a better effort against Judson and get around him. And then he just misses on that beautiful through ball that you were talking about there. He could have had something on either chance, and it was just – it's been a frustrating last couple of games. I know I said he would score on one more sleep. I was really hoping he'd figure some things out. But oh, just a frustrating last couple of matches, unfortunately. In the 21st, an early yellow on San Jose. Andy Rios picking one up. And, and I'm going to say this. I believe we, we like to go back and watch the disciplinary committee videos and <laughs> see whether they get fined or whether players get fined for embellishment. I think Eddie Segura might have a small fine coming his way. Andy Rios looked like he was right to complain on that yellow card. I think this one gets rescinded by the time San Jose plays their match on Sunday. An unlucky yellow for Andy Rios. And then Philly, 23rd minute. It was Cheeky Palacios for Diego Rossi. And it looked like, right, he got a soft touch on it. So that'll go in to the assist column because it's Latif Blessing on the back post, able to put it away, making the run. But I know, Philly, what impressed you most about that, again, was the pass that started the play before it even gets to Cheeky Palacios. It all started with Murillo in the back. And this just goes back to what I mentioned in the 15th minute when I made the comment originally. And as I was writing my notes and this happened, I was really impressed with Murillo's passing fr from the back line. That's, that's something we haven't seen a great deal of from, from some of our players. I mean, that precision passing was great. And it was just... It ping-ponged. It was beautiful. Went from Murillo, like you said, right to Cheeky. He tried to find Rossi and then Latif. 
being at the right place at the right time for a change, knocks it past Marcinkowski. And believe it or not, that's Latif's first goal on the season, his first goal. Now, he hasn't been completely anemic as far as the offense is concerned because he's got four assists on the year. But very, very surprising to me that this is Latif's first goal. And I guess it made sense as to why Bob put him as a forward. I mean, Latif finally notches in a goal this season. But again, it was from the backline passing of, of Mario. I, I, I really do like this kid. Number 94 is, is, is solid. He's in every single match that he's played, he's gone the, the full duration and, and he's looked good. We have him on loan. I really hope we keep him because his presence definitely makes a difference. We've talked about the Walker not being there and how that's been a problem. And it's been Nashville's blessing, no pun intended, Nashville's blessing to have Walker because they have one of the stingiest back lines in, in the league and th they're playoff bound uh, for their first inaugural season because of Walker. We needed somebody to replace him. We weren't going to do that with Papel Nahar, but we could do that with Mario. And I really have my fingers crossed that they extend the contract and they take him off of loan and, and bring him onto the club full time like they did with Eddie Segura. Yeah, Philly, a couple of quick things that, you know, this is the worst part about me being a numbers guy. Technically, technically, that was not Latif's first goal of the season. He scored regular season. I know, but they said on the on the broadcast that it was his first goal of the season he scored in this round of 16 in the covid cup as we dispatched seattle 4-1 but those goals somehow just go into thin air and onto the stat sheet over at transfermarket.us but nothing into the mls bank account for latif blessing this season the other thing you mentioned man jesus david mario that guy is built like that truck that was in the car chase tonight i mean that was like a sick <laughs> with like extra stuff on the grill and everything else. Jesus David Mario is an absolute truck with feet out there. He is a lot of fun to watch <laughs> back line for LAFC. Really hoping uh, you're absolutely right. I'm really hoping that we can keep him. One of my favorite moments in the, in the whole match Philly happened in the 25th minute, right before a free kick, another set piece, by the way, for San Jose here in the first half, Jackson Ewell, we see him before he takes the free kick literally takes a divot from the pitch and shoves <laughs> it back into place. That was the whole pitch in a nutshell there in San Jose. I mean, I know they can't afford a sponsor for their stadium. It's literally just called Earthquakes Stadium at this point. But can we at least get a sponsor from like Roundup or, or some miracle grow or someone? Scott's miracle grow, yeah. We need Scott's out there. They get that cool guy and like the Scottish voice out there as – you know, to do something with San Jose's pitch because it is God awful. Looks like it had eczema. It was pretty bad. That's you and Nina said the same thing in the 28th minute Philly though, San Jose on their sixth corner kick to our zero at that point, find an equalizer with a little help from Edward Atuesta. Warren Barton on the YouTube TV telecast was absolutely ripping LAFC's lackluster effort on the back line, their inability to clear it. It just looked bad, man. You had a bunch of guys from LAFC standing flat-footed, not knowing what was going on. And up until that point, and even after that, Philly, we had taken set piece after corner <clears throat> from San Jose and looked pretty bad doing it, finally giving up the equalizer. It's now 1-1, one, one, and San Jose, again, right back into a match where really LAFC, Philly, for the first 30 minutes – had been outplayed 
every single step of the way. Without a doubt, but it wasn't a goal that came off Fierro, as many people would have speculated. The ball deflected off of Atuesta. Atuesta, sloppy, got caught snoozing. Bad defense. Sloppy got caught snoozing. Bad defense. Set piece defending. And I was saying how they were clearing the ball in the initial moments of the of the first half. Within the first 20 minutes, there were three corners, and they managed to survive. But Fierro, not a real part of that. It was at Tuesta. So two LAFC players happened to score. But just like that, one-to-one, and, and, and it just stinks. It just it absolutely stinks to see a goal like that. Just like total mental, total mental lapse. And here we are in a match with the Smurfs, them needing to win, us needing to win in order to gain a top four spot. And now all of a sudden the game becomes interesting. It becomes interesting. And throughout the course of the rest of the first half, San Jose playing at that crazy frenetic pace that this team always does. Watching these guys play scarf is like being in a room with a bunch of over-caffeinated teenagers. It's, it's all over the place. Things are just all over the place. You go nuts watching these guys. It's exhausting, actually. And they definitely exhausted our defenders because, once again, San Jose, with that pace, put our team to work. Oh, don't worry, Philly. It gets worse shortly. In the 32nd minute, it was a yellow card for Pancho Ginella, a very bad late tackle. So earning the yellow there for sure in the 37th minute. So we went about five minutes without much action, to be perfectly honest. I've got to believe, Philly, and and look, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've got to believe, Philly, I've got to believe that when Bob Bradley, Kenny Arena, Anche Razov, Mike Sorber, even Zach Abdel. When the five of them all sit down in a room and they're drawing up the game plan, Philly, I've got to believe that somewhere on the names that you circled to watch out for has to be the MLS's all-time leading scorer, Chris Wondolowski. So how, (laughs) why are we just not marking the all-time leading MLS scorer, Chris Wondolowski. Did we not know where he was on the pitch? He's had the same number for that club for forever. He's wearing the awful blue and black jersey. We were in white, so it's not like he was confusing us in terms of what jersey he was wearing. He is their most lethal goal-scoring weapon around the mouth of the goal. And number 166 for Chris Wondolowski. And just like that, LAFC is down 2-1, and and Philly, to be perfectly honest, we were lucky just to be down 2-1 in the 39th minute. Christian Espinoza, who, again, was the guy that I was talking about all throughout One More Sleep. Christian Espinoza was playing. You mentioned hair on fire. I wrote that he was playing like he was absolutely on fire there in the 39th minute, banging one off the crossbar, but it looked like LAFC. Uh just relieved that that one didn't go in. They stopped marking Chris Wondolowski again, and he's able to get it right back into the box. Another near chance for San Jose. And I said this, Philly, and look, after the 39th minute, there really wasn't much going on. They had one nice corner by Raito, which I believe, Philly, correct me if I'm wrong, in the 41st minute might have been our first corner of the half. But all You're that- damn right it was. 41st minute, we finally get a corner. An unreal, absolute terrible play by LAFC. But I said that we would be lucky to get into the half 2-1. And Philly, 
if not for maybe just the one lone minute of stoppage time that we were allowed, we might have escaped down 3-1 or 4-1 in that half. An awful half for LAFC. What's the stats telling us at the end of the half, Philly? Before we go into that real quick, though, yeah, you, you mentioned Wando. He gets his 166 and his seventh goal of the season. But, you know, we've talked about... I mean, he's no longer in the league, but we've talked about Zlatan scoring a bunch of goals against LAFC. We talked about Demir Krylock being another thorn in our side. But this is Wando's third goal against us. His third goal against us. I don't know if there's going to be any more going forward. I don't know what's left in Wando's tank. I'm jokingly calling him Chris Wolverine Wandolowski because the guy just the, the, the guy can recover and and. and come back and, and just stab you with this adamantium, like, I don't know, foot. But speaking of which, that shot that he had, the goal that he had, it wasn't a hard shot, man. It wasn't a hard shot at all. It just happened to bounce off Vermeer. It wasn't an, an explosive shot. But but Espinosa, you know, he you said he was playing on fire. There's a reason that Villarreal in La Liga thought that this guy was, was a player. I mean, Espinosa w- was fantastic. And we we didn't show up. In this first half, San Jose controlled it. LAFC showed up in this first half the same way the Nevada ballot counting committee showed up these past two days. Non-existent. Where the hell were they? Shots dominated at this point, eight to three San Jose. Shots on target, though, both one to one. And the one shot on target that San Jose had, they converted. Possession. We got out-possessed badly. It was 59-41 for San Jose. Chances created, we had them there, but the big, big difference, corners. Corners, the stats, 7-1. to 7-1 San Jose. It took 41 minutes for us to finally get a freaking corner. Come on. And then as far as the fouls were concerned, we were a bit more brutal than, than San Jose was, even though they ended up getting more cards. But there were seven fouls that LAFC had to their three. And that's the first half stats for you, Scarf Man. Philly, it was a terrible first half, but Bob Bradley pulling a couple of strings, making some moves as we begin the second half. Jordan Harvey coming in for Tristan Blackman, and I think more as a function of him getting a yellow card. Pancho Ginella comes out, and Carlos Vela coming in to play 45 minutes. And I'm going to say this from the start. Philly, I talked about it on One More Sleep. I said Carlos Vela should not start a match again for this team, maybe even the entire season maybe even until MLS Cup. Well, I want to say this right now. The way that Carlos Vela looked in these last 45 minutes of this match, I think Carlos Vela should start our playoff match, whoever we take on. It should absolutely be the starting three that we thought we would have on the front line, Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, and Carlos Vela. He looked fantastic in these final 45 minutes, finally not just playing with some space, But, you know, the kids like to call it playing with a little bit of wiggle, playing with a little bit of wiggle out there. He made some maneuvers and some meanderings as he went through the midfield. Ooh, that was pretty alliterative. Maneuvering, meanderings, midfield. All right, I'll take it. I like that. that. Say that 10 times fast. That. So the, uh, the Carlos Vela that we saw in today's match, that looked a whole lot like that guy who I mentioned on this day in LAFC history that took home the 2019 Landon Donovan MLS MVP award. He looked great tonight in these final 45, especially in the last play of the match pretty much for LAFC. We'll talk about that in a second. Philly, the first real moment turns out to kind of have to go back to be one of our wait what moments, but not really. We'll talk about that more as we go on in just a little bit. 
in the 52nd minute, Philly, we all thought it was a yellow for Judson. <laughs> yeah, we did. They wrote we as a yellow for Judson. The YouTube TV broadcast thought it was a yellow for Judson. We're going to get back to this in just a second because turns out it wasn't a yellow for Judson. In the 55th minute, another good offensive run by LAFC. And in the 57th minute, this is what I was talking about, Philly, that little run by Carlos right through the middle. Yep. And if you guys can go back and watch the match, please go back and tune into the 57th minute. And you're going to see Carlos Vela really start to look like Carlos Vela for the first time. Solid shot by Rossi. And, I mean, just one of those, those moments where you thought, okay, all right, maybe down 2-1. We're going to find an equalizer. LAFC really starting to control play. 58th minute, 59th minute, Diego Rossi forces JT Marchinkowski to make what was a relatively easy save. And at the end of the 59th minute, we all kind of held our breath, Philly, as Carlos Vela went down on that 50-50 play by Osvaldo Alanis, but it turned out to be clean. 60th minute, Philly, we got another corner. I mean, we are playing downhill. Things are looking so good. And then, Philly, what turned out to be our wait. What? Moment of the match, but not really because we were surprised at what happened, but more surprised by the referee. Jackson Ewell is shown a yellow card and then somehow is shown a red card. Philly, what happened? <laughs> we didn't know. And it wasn't until San Jose tweeted it when they stated that, oh, it was it was his second yellow card. So that yellow card that Judson was we thought was given in the 51st minute turned out that it was for Yule. And then if not a few minutes later, he gets another one for his foul on Harvey. And, you know, Barton said it himself. He left his feet and lunged in. There's no doubt that that was a foul, but very, very sloppy by the quote-unquote American Pirlo. And just like that, now we're running with a man advantage. Now we know that San Jose isn't going to play that crazy frenetic pace, that they're just going to try to catch us on a, a, on a counter. But we know at this point we can dominate. And LAFC came out so hot in that second half. I, I didn't have any doubts that we would have a, a an equalizer. And we played really, really well. And Jackson Yule coming out gave us that. You know, mi- moments after that, we had a free kick by Edward Atuesta. Once again, though, went straight to Marcinkowski. I think Edward Atuesta, he had a couple of free kicks that had their way uh, into Marcinkowski's gloves. He had a magnet on Atuesta's shot. 65th minute, we see San Jose's first set of subs. Rios came out from the New York State-born Felipe. He's in. A minute later, we get our first yellow card. Considering the fact that we were fouling like crazy in the first half, our first yellow card, Mario gets it for a foul on Fierro. And 67 scarf, a, we, got, we got really lucky here. A scary set piece by Alanis. Oh, there's some alliteration for you. Scary set piece by Alanis. We were lucky that Wando was a step too slow. If it was Wando a couple of years ago, he would have been there to catch that pass by Alanis and could have easily had put another stake in, in, in into LAFC's heart. But that wasn't to be the case. And you mentioned him. 
All right. The, the, the never aging, the 34 year old, 69th minute, Shea Salinas comes in for Fierro. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think at this point, he is the all time leader in assists for San Jose. I, I know he was very close to that mark when we played them at the bank September 27th. I'm pretty sure he had that mark. Him coming into the game played a massive factor into the performance of San Jose. And now, Scarf, I'll let you talk about the next good news that happened four minutes after Shea Salinas enters the match. Yeah, my I wrote this in all caps with question mark, exclamation point, question mark. The question that I ask in my notes in the 72nd minute is, how was it that easy? It looked easy. Shea Salinas, it, if, by the way, Philly, he wasn't the assist leader. He added to his assist total on this one. Shea Salinas. With a cross for Christian Espinoza, that guy you know that I said to look out for on one more sleep, one v one, and Christian Espinoza absolutely buries it. The frustrating part, Philly, is that we had played just about thirty minutes of the second half, and we had controlled almost every facet of the second half. And you said it; you were right. They just wanted to catch LAFC on a counter, wanted to catch us on our back heels. And Shea Salinas with a beautiful cross for Christian Espinoza, who just calmly buries it. I believe, you know, he goes five hole through Jordan Harvey on that one, and it glances off of Kenneth Vermeer. And in a match where you and I were both talking about how excited we were that we are going to get an equalizer, now all of a sudden, we're, we're down 3-1 in a real shock play. I mean, it caught everybody by surprise. So frustrating, so terrible on the defensive end. And again, just frustrating, frustrating play by LAFC. And to be perfectly honest, it, it didn't get much better. I mean, in the 74th minute, Eddie Segura had a great through ball, which was cleared away by San Jose and Raito. Raito did a great job in the 74th minute just to get that ball on target with JT yep. Markowski. But Marchinkowski playing very well. In the 75th, we had a nice little ticky-tacky, as they like to call it, between Cheeky to Brian and Carlos Vela, but that final touch just lacking, and the ball cleared out by San Jose. And Philly, in the 76th minute, just four minutes after he put one in the back of the net, it could have been a brace for Christian Espinosa. And, and I think... He smelled blood when he saw that he was 1v1 against Jordan Harvey again and a near miss on that shot by Christian Espinosa in the 76th. Yeah, that goal that happened by Espinosa in the 73rd. I mean, he was basically left with Harvey, and Harvey could have squared up rather than, than, than turn to the side. That's really what allowed the goal to hit the back of the net, but it was scary. We don't want to see a guy like Christian Espinosa go 1v1 against Harvey. We got really lucky that that ball went the direction it did because – I mean, that would, I mean, that would have been, I mean, you said the goal in the 73rd minute might've been a backbreaker. That would have been like a neck, a neck cracker. It would have been an ugly thing. And I don't know this. And I, I don't know if any of you listeners out there know this defenders, but have we throughout the history of our team, have we had a shorthanded goal happen to us? I, I can't really recall a time where we get, I know it's a hockey statistic, but I don't recall a shorthanded goal happening to us. Um, if somebody has the answer to that or can confirm that I'm, I'm right that we have, and that's cool, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's what happened. 
we got lucky with Espinosa. Three minutes later, Espinosa had a had a pass to Salinas. Salinas who slipped on that on that god awful pitch that looked like it had I don't know green grass eczema. Really, really terrible. There are a lot of players slipping on on both sides, and I'm not going to blame the pitch. We know it's not that beautiful Bermuda grass. I forget the number, scarf. You know the number that we have at LAFC, but I mean, you were at the bank casting your vote. Our grass is pristine. I don't know what the hell they have up in San Jose. That stuff was just, again, it looked like eczema. Gross stuff, Scarf. I do want to mention something kind of cool that I did see while I was voting there, and I was talking about this with Max, not Max Bredos, but one of our other friends, Max, who works for LAFC. You know what I noticed, Philly, is during this time of year, parts of Bank of California Stadium during the day don't get as much sunlight, so they actually have lights out there on the pitch, shining down on the grass, helping the grass to grow evenly. It, it seemed like they tried to do the exact opposite there <laughs> on San Jose's pitch over at Earthquake Stadium. I mean, it looked absolutely terrible. Philly, the first subs in a while for LAFC in the 84th minute. Christian Torres in for Cheeky Palacios as we move to a three-man back line. I thought that was pretty interesting. And Bryce Duke coming in for Raito, and of course, Scarf Stradamus wrong again in predicting a goal for Brian Rodriguez today. Hashtag blame Scarf. I like that better than blame Philly. Goodness. In the 87th, Espinosa and Wando came out. Defenseman Paul Marie and the 17-year-old Cade Cowell come in for San Jose. A, a near goal on a through ball to Diego Rossi in the 89th, but he couldn't find it, and Philly... Five minutes of stoppage time between a 3-1 defeat and the end of the match. Cade Cowell, the 17-year-old who just checked in, 1v1 against Kenneth Vermeer, Philly. I mean, look, we're talking about all the opportunities. This game could have been 5-1, 6-1, 7-1, 8-1, it seemed like at times. LAFC just did not play well at all today. And maybe if Cade Cowell was a little bit older than just 17 years old, he might have taken an extra touch on this and tried to go around who I would imagine is a little bit slower of a Kenneth Vermeer compared to the 17-year-old linebacker-shaped Cade Cowell for San Jose. But a nice save by Kenneth Vermeer, something in the match we got to see from Kenneth Vermeer. And in the fifth minute, Philly, we talked about silver linings. I'm going to bring up the first silver lining right now, and I know you're going to talk about the second silver lining when we look at the standings after the match. But I'll bring up the first one here. Kind of some life, maybe, sort of, not really. I don't know. I think we knew that that was kind of the last touch on it. But we mentioned how good Carlos Vela looked for these final 45 minutes. He did not look any better than he did whipping the ball into the middle of the box for Diego Rossi, who extends his golden boot lead to 14 right before the final whistle, Philly, as luckily, luckily, Diego Rossi, putting his 14th away on the season into the back of the net. And just in case you're watching out there, Jossie Zardes did not score for Columbus today. So the lead grows wider and wider for Diego Rossi. 14 goals, but unfortunately, that one coming at the death for LAFC. And I don't know if you can still use at the death if it's not a goal that wins you the match, but I just did. At the death. For Diego Rossi, assisted by Carlos Vela and Jordan Harvey. And that's it. 3-2 Philly. Can you please give me a little bit more of a silver lining than that? Because our listeners 
had to wait a long time to hear at least one silver lining in this match. Well, before I give you that silver lining, I want to tell you what my autocorrect did to Cade Cowell's name. And this is what I want to call him from here on out. His name is Case Cowbell. That's Cade Cowell's name, Case Cowbell. I thought it was a funny autocorrect. I left it in my notes. So that's my <laughs> funny little thing before we get into the silver lining. Yes, Carlos Vela coming back, having an assist to Diego Rossi, him extending his golden boot streak. He's got three goals on Jazzy Zardes. Uh, that was definitely one silver lining. But another silver lining is the fact that despite our loss today, a team that we won't have to worry about facing, a team that we could actually poke fun of for the rest of the season is the Carson Galaxy. Why? Because San Jose's win automatically ended up disqualifying Carson. Now, there was a bit of a scare in that sense. Scare in what I mean by they were playing Seattle. We had a Chicharito sighting in the 68th minute. He finally subs into the game. And then 10 minutes later, Chicha actually scores a goal. Wow. Chicharito scored a goal that wasn't off of a free kick. But then <laughs> Raul Ruiz Diaz spoiled that Carson celebration and ended up drawing it with a late equalizer. So that is definitely the other silver lining. Not only is Carson out, but we can basically say goodbye to really salty lake. They're done. We could say goodbye to the Houston Tropicanas. They're done. And we can say bye to the Vancouver white flags. That is what happened. As far as the positioning from one through eight, that'll be determined on decision day, November the 8th. Every single team plays at three 30 on Sunday, kind of like how they do the last matches in the premier league. We'll see what position between five and eight we, we land in, but seeing Carson get booted out in our three seasons, they've only managed to secure a playoff berth scarf once, just once. In our three years, we've been fortunate enough to clinch playoffs all the time. Sadly, we won't have the shield. There was a uh, photo of it being packed off and sent to Philadelphia teardrop on that one, but that's the silver lining there. And then there are actually a couple more that we'll go through is before we end this podcast scarf. Yeah, Philly, just one thing I want to mention, too. We're talking about the Golden Boot race. Diego Rossi is leading on Jesse Zardes by three goals. He's also now leading on Robert Barrich of Chicago by three goals. He joins him at 11. And just in case you were curious, it is Chris Mueller, who we saw quite a bit of in the COVID Cup, along with Christian Pavone on 10 goals apiece. So definitely something to watch out for, as, of course, a hat trick could make things very, very nervous for Diego Rossi if anybody behind him finds one on the last day. Raul Ruiz Diaz also there with 10 goals on the season. But it's looking at least a little better for our guy Diego Rossi, who is averaging just under a goal every 90 minutes at .78 on the season. So hopefully we get back-to-back -back golden boot winners for LAFC. Philly, this doesn't help us in the table as we drop to sixth place overall, 1.48 points per game, falling also now behind FC Dallas, who jumps both us and Minnesota United by beating Nashville today 1-0. Also locking up a playoff spot, Philly, despite playing like five fewer matches at least than most of the other teams out there, is the Colorado Rapids, who despite many COVID issues this season, Philly, find their way into the playoffs because, again, we are talking about points 
per game. And in case you're wondering, nope, still no Stephen Betashore on the pitch for Colorado. I made sure to check that before we finished our notes for our podcast. This, like you said, Philly, locks up a spot in the playoffs for San Jose. They are now in eighth. Unfortunately, it eliminates the Vancouver Whitecaps and our former assistant, Mark Dos Santos. And not so unfortunately, it eliminates the Carson Cosmos. So they get to watch the playoffs like they've done in two out of the three seasons from the couch. And it's probably a nice couch of your Chicharito because he got paid a whole lot of money to lead this disappointment throughout the entire season. I'm sure he bought himself a nice chair, too, because that dude's always on Twitch. I think he spent more time on Twitch than he had on the pitch for Carson. And I know a lot of people are going to complain that, well, Colorado played five or six fewer games. It's not fair that they make the playoffs. All right. I mean, I'll buy that. But if you look at the actual points and not necessarily the points per game, Despite not having played those five or six matches, Colorado still has more points than Vancouver, than Carson, than really Salty Lake and Houston. I would venture to guess, okay, that they probably would have tied or at least won one more, which would have made them make the playoffs anyway. So, yeah, they got to play five or six fewer matches. Maybe they have a better and well-rested lineup. I mean, they took it to Portland today. They beat Portland. We know Portland's no slouch in the Western Conference, but you know, whatever way you want to slice or dice it, Colorado probably would have made the playoffs anyway. And, and that's and that's the story. As far as the let's tie this all up, Scarf, we'll go to the final stats of our game. I still got a couple other silver lining points that I'll end things with, but let me just get the stats out of the way. LAFC clearly improved throughout the second half. 13 shots they finished off with to to San Jose's 12. Shots on target, five. Five shots on target to San Jose's three possession. It was very lopsided in the first half. It turned it. It was completely flipped around. 58% for LAFC, 43% for San Jose. We had a couple more chances created, and we definitely had some more fouls despite uh, the the second yellow and the eventual red for Jackson Yule. That's the final stat line. I mean, it's it's whatever. I mean, we would have had to have battled for uh for that top four spot. Yeah, we it's been a really really weird year, Scarf. I mean, e- even last year we were so dominant throughout the course of the year, and despite having home field advantage, despite being the best in the West and the best in MLS and all these other things, we still managed to lose a gut punch match against Seattle. You know, I'm gonna be I'm still gonna be that glass half full guy, Scarf. And I'm still going to think that, you know, even though they only won one game on the road throughout the course of the regular season, even though the last game at the bank will probably be on Sunday, I, I, I still think that LAFC could get everything together, provided no more freaking COVID cases come up. They could start firing on all cylinders. Uh, the other silver lining is Vela played a 45-minute half, okay? That is getting them a lot closer and getting them more to match fitness, which is definitely going to be devastating for, for the teams in the Western Conference. I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't want to be a team facing San Jose, especially considering the run they've been on. And with a fully stocked LAFC team without COVID chaos, I still think we're going to be a formidable opponent. Despite playing on the road, this still could be our season to clinch some hardware, some more hardware, that is. Yeah, Philly, I totally agree. I mean, I mentioned at the start when we talked about the second half, how well Carlos Vela played. I think that is absolutely huge. And we talked about this, right, where – if we get Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, and Carlos Vela on the same page, 
If we get Edward Atuesta and Mark Anthony Kay, if he can get back healthy, and Jose C. Fuentes all out there on the pitch together, along with Pancho Ginella, along with Latif Blessing, along with Bryce Duke. And if we get Jesus David Murillo on the same page with everybody on the back line with Eddie Segura, and of course what we have seen from Mohamed El Munir and Chiqui Palacios, I mean, I don't know that there's a better team in Major League Soccer. The one thing that concerns me, Philly, before we wrap all this up, is the health of Pablo Cisniega. I think that we were starting to see a player come into his own in that keeper spot there for Pablo Cisniega. What will missing these last two matches mean for him, not just for his overall health and how he's able to pick right back up, but for his overall confidence level too. I mean, yes, Kenneth Vermeer played very, very well against Houston. Kenneth Vermeer did not play very, very well, particularly because I I believe both goals that were scored also either went five hole or went off of Vermeer at some point towards that second half there. And I really thought that it was one of those plays where maybe Vermeer could have made one or two of those saves, and all of a sudden you get a late equalizer there from Diego Rossi instead of a goal that just counts towards his golden boot total and not much else. So I'm a little worried about Pablo Cisniega going forward, and of course I'm worried about the COVID cases, man. I mean, if it's if it's any number of guys like that are on our injury report, you know, it's it's pretty terrible. Will we see Mark Segbers take the field? Will we see Tony Leone take the field? I just remember last year, Philly, on decision day, it was all about what kind of a coronation will it be? Can he get the record? Will Carlos Vela salt away the all-time goals scoring record in a single season? And it was Tim Howard's last ever MLS match. Yeah. And and look, I'm going to pull a little LeBron James here. Carlos Vela, it it was not one, not two. But three, three goals scored on the bicycle from Carlos to put it away. Just to think, Philly, of how different times were last season to this season. As we were ending our year, this season, we're looking for silver linings in a bad 3-2 loss to San Jose, as opposed to looking forward to a long run through the playoffs. But you and I have talked about it, Philly. I firmly believe we are making a long run through these playoffs. You said we've got at least three more matches left to play in LAFC season. We've got our match against Portland on Sunday, decision day, 3.30, and I believe it's Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports Deportes. 3.30 is the kickoff. Every game in Major League Soccer is played at 3.30. It makes for a lot of fun watching out there for all the MLS fans. And then after that, it'll be on to our first-round playoff match and then our second-round playoff match. And then the I can't wait. We're going to win the semifinal match this year instead of lose a heartbreaker to Seattle. We're going to MLS Cup. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Can't wait. We're going to win the whole thing. We're going to shock the world, except for all the people that bet on LAFC early in the season that thought we'd be healthy. We'll hoist MLS Cup and Philly. I'll gladly, excuse me, trade out that supporter shield that we shipped off to Philadelphia for MLS Cup at the end of the season. 
Without a doubt. And real quick for the decision day, if you're looking for something to do, there is a drive-in watch party. LAFC got together with AGBO or AGBO. I don't know how you pronounce them, but they got together. And so they're sponsoring this event. It's going to happen at the city market. It's going to be a 3.30 for the LAFC game. It's 35 bucks per car, if I'm not mistaken. And then after the LAFC game, Stick around. They're, they will be airing the Nightmare Before Christmas at 7 o'clock. So if you're looking for something fun to do on Sunday, that could be the way to do it. Of course, you're going to have to be in your car. You're going to have to socially distance. There's going to be bathrooms there. And a portion of the proceeds are going to be directly donated to the Midnight Mission. So this is a charitable event that has some black and gold silver linings to it. So if you got nothing to do on Sunday, I mean, you might catch Scarf and I there uh, at 3.30. It'll maybe we'll even record a podcast in the car. That'll be something different, you know. Potting with Philly and Scarf in, in, in at a drive-in. Like, <laughs> never thought about that. But that's a story there. And I don't really have anything else, Scarf. It's it's been. I, I'm so happy that we're not going to have any more of these late Wednesday night regular season matches. I don't know what the playoffs are going to be, and I know the December 15th, 16th Concacaf Champions League games. Those are going to be during the week, but we still got a month from now. Uh, I'm pretty happy that. We could, Probably, maybe I shouldn't say this, but we're going to cancel that YouTube TV subscription. There will be no more YouTube TV broadcasts. So from here on out, more than likely, everything's going to be on regular cable. I know that's going to make a lot of you defenders out there, the millions. And millions. Had to sneak that in at least one time on the show. I'm going to make you guys really happy. And my blabbering mouth is, my blabbering bladdiskite mouth, <laughs> ducktails, is done. What do you got? Still not a fan of Vaco, and you know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye-bye.